This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is also brought to you by Vidyard, the best platform for creating, managing, and optimizing your video content marketing. And the show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. The hosts of the show are Randy Frisch and Tyler Lessard. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. Now, here's Randy, Tyler, and this week's special guest. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. As always, I've got Tyler Lassard joining me from Vidyard. And today we're going to talk about one of those things that your sales team always wants from you, your customers always want from you. And as marketers, you're probably figuring out how do we get more of these case studies, right? You know, case studies are that kind of balance between, I think, product marketing and content marketing, where you get to really see, you know, the two come together and tell these real life stories of how your product's manifesting in in change. So, you know, we, to do that, we've actually got a different angle that I think we're going to talk about. And I'm going to let Tyler bring in our guest who's got a lot of experience taking the case study into an interview format. Well, not only is this a topic near and dear to my heart, case studies, which I think are really the epitome of storytelling in, in today's marketing, uh, but also with a real focus on on video and, and bringing these to life through personal conversations and exposing the passion of customers and executives on camera, uh, which I think all of us need to be doing more of as marketers. So today we have James Kotecki, the uh, principal at the Kotecki Group, who has been doing video interviews, video customer stories for a number of years now. So James, why don't you kick things off and uh, give us a little bit of your background as a video buff and uh, sounds like early on a little political interviewer. Yeah, well, hey guys, it's great to be on the show and thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, and yeah, let's let's dive into this. So 10 years ago, I cannot believe it has been a decade, but if you can remember back 10 years ago, YouTube was still uh, somewhat nascent, uh, somewhat more innocent, I should say. Um, and it was still, people were still figuring out like, how are people using this in the political realm? Um, and I was a senior at Georgetown University um, in early 2007, and I started making videos in my dorm room about how presidential candidates at the time were using YouTube and video in their campaigns, which again was a new thing. I, we'd had the 2006 midterms where people were using YouTube, but in 2004, the, the previous presidential election, I, I don't believe YouTube even existed. Um, news and politics was a new topic on YouTube at the time. Um, and I was making videos about that and I, I gained some traction. Uh, I think that Carlos partly, I was one of the only people talking about it and people thought it was kind of a cool angle that a, a college kid in his dorm room was using a webcam to talk about video. So I was using the thing I was kind of talking about. I was using the same platform and the, I would say the apotheosis of, uh, of that experience and probably of my entire career so far is that I interviewed, uh, then presidential candidate, Congressman Ron Paul in my dorm room. <laughs> for, for what I will claim is the first ever presidential candidate dorm room interview. I love it. Uh, hey, that's the type of thing you'd think is going to maybe come back to either help him or haunt him one day, right? <laughs> 
Well, you know, I think it was funny because Ron Paul was not as big as he later became. And uh, so it was kind of hitting for both of us at just the right time for both of our careers, I, sh- I guess you could say, where I, I, it, it was it was just he was just not famous enough that it made sense for him to go to a college kid's dorm room and try something kind of crazy. And so it worked out well for both of us. <laughs> so you uh, so you started to find some success early on with with video as a medium, and uh, you know over the years it, it sounds like you started to hone those skills into the business world, the B two B world, and uh, and you now focus in on developing customer stories on camera. Is that uh, is that fair to say? Yeah, in fact, uh, on camera and also uh, in writing and also getting into audio a little bit as well. So uh, I'm not trying to encroach on your guys' territory, don't worry. But it's, uh, it's really about storytelling in any of those formats. But of course, video is very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, it's something that uh, you know we we think about a lot as a team, and I hear more and more people thinking about as as a content marketing outlet, as a demand generation tool, as a sales enablement tool, and and that's something that I've always felt is so important with developing great customer stories. Is you know uh, people can argue are they top of funnel, mid funnel? What are they? I see them as such important pieces throughout the entire customer journey. Um, as ways to, you know, either early on just validate that, you know, you're a real business serving real companies or at late stages helping to convince potential buyers by showing other executives at companies like theirs, not only that they're seeing success with you, but I think more importantly is showcasing their real human passion for working with you as a business. And that, that's something that I, you know, I know our team often tries to glove on to. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I can sell it, sell the value of it any better than you just did. But uh, what I would say is that, you know, if I have one 30 minute conversation with an executive, um, I can take that transcript and I can create uh, a written case study. If it was on camera, I can create a video case study. So right now you've got two pieces of content that could be different and used in different ways by different uh, different parts of the funnel. Um, and then I've also got, because there's probably a lot of material in that conversation that I wasn't able to use either for the written or the video piece, um, I've got other potential quotes and, and clips that I can pull out and put into blog posts or on social media or in infographics or on the homepage or landing page. So really uh, one kind of well-crafted conversation with an eye towards building a case study can be used in so many different ways. Yeah, we also see that coming in on the PR side as well. And we use these as like front pieces for our outreach to press, because I think once they see and hear these stories from real people, um, it it often garners interest in them wanting to talk to them as well and develop a great story around it. And so it's just, you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And, and I know, Randy, we've talked about this a lot of, of you know, the, the idea of hub and spoke model of content marketing these days, getting a great story and then, you know, exploding it through different content mediums, different content types and, and across multiple channels. Yeah, it's funny. I think often when we talk about it, Tyler, or, or even internally, we often think of we start with the ebook, right? Like we got to start with a big, juicy piece of content that way and then break it off. But this is another way to do it, right? To, to start with some insights from customers, leverage those insights uh, in, in a whole bunch of different ways. So, James, I, I want to take this in a bit of a different direction because, you know, the people listening to this podcast are, are coming from companies of different sizes, you know, some, you know, with, you know, massive budgets to spend on marketing and, you know, probably could attribute, you know, some of those those dollars to more, you know, more creative things like case studies and, and video case studies, but some who are, are coming from pretty lean environments. So maybe you can give us an understanding of like, you know, what does it cost to do a case study or what are some of the more hacky ways to go and get this done? 
Sure. I mean, obviously, it can cost uh, a, gr- a great answer in, uh, in in marketing and having an agency is like it costs whatever people are willing to spend, right? Because you can <laughs> you, you can clearly go pretty high up the scale. Um, you know, when I talk about video, sometimes I say a video can cost anywhere from zero to a million dollars, and any of those prices could theoretically be correct for what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but to answer your question more specifically, um, what I'm doing, I consider the world I'm in um, a world of interview-based content. And I don't know if anyone uh, uses that term or Googles that term when they're thinking about what I'm offering, but that's kind of how I think about it internally. And there's lots of ways on the low end to have conversations with people that you don't even have to necessarily get someone from an agency like me involved um, and create a lot of great content. I mean, there is one of the premises of my business is that so much amazing content exists in the heads of the people who work in your organization and that they don't have the bandwidth or time to write it themselves. So if you're a marketer and you're looking for content and you're tired of just being in your own head all the time and trying to come up with the next you know, top 10 funny list or whatever, and you just, just get out of your own head and talk to some of the people that are sitting next to you, interview them for a 20-minute conversation, save them the time that it would take them to write, which in some cases, for depending on the person, could be you know, three or four hours for just a blog post. People write at different speeds. Save them the time, interview them, and then write up your interview. And you'll get out of your own head, you'll get a fresh perspective, and you'll be able to unlock some of that content that already exists, like I said, in the minds of your colleagues. Um, and that's, you know, so that would be the absolute lowest and hackiest way to do it and still potentially create something really great. And you can go up the scale from there to um, interviews in an audio format or interviews on camera, which of course can be much more costly if you want to make a professional looking uh, video. I'm sure your listeners know a lot about that and the costs involved in uh, creating uh, high-end videos. But you, you can use these techniques and the philosophy that I have really at any level of business, uh, no matter where you are as a marketer. That's really interesting. I think you know our first gut when we think about doing a case study, doing an interview is that we have to get out of our office, right? You know, we got to you know, get on a plane or somehow tie someone down on a call. But the point you make is, is great. It's leverage the people in your office. And some of them may not have the confidence to step up and say, I've got a post that could be written or I've got an idea to elaborate. Or some of them may not have the time. Um, you know, we used to do that here, even with me, where I would sit with one of our content uh, members and just dump ideas for 30 minutes. And, you know, those would then make their way either into a blog post or ghostwritten, you know, posts that I would then edit after the fact. Um, so it's, I, I think that makes, that's, that's a real, you know, important point uh, to take away here. Maybe just going a little bit deeper on this, you know, when we do get into the type of work that you get involved in, which is a little bit more polished, you know, to, you know, to give you, uh, you know, credit, I guess. But, you know, what does that end up looking like? And, you know, how, how do you think about prepping for that? Um, I remember myself once we had, uh, you know, our accounting firm do like an expose on us. And it, it was so well prepared, I remembered. Like it, there was a story written almost before they had come in in terms of where they wanted to go. Can you talk about th- that art of interviewing, if you will? Sure. I, this is a topic that's uh, I think about quite a bit and, and uh, I write about quite a bit. So I'm excited to share it. The one thing I think to think about with an interview, especially for a case study, is that all case studies are basically telling a very similar story. If you think about a Hollywood blockbuster, how they all have the same basic plot or like the hero's journey or any of those kind of, uh, Joseph Campbell or any of those kind of classic storytelling archetypes, a case study has a very 
a very basic plot most of the time, which is here's a company that you may not know about. So let, let us introduce you to that company a little bit, just to get a quick flavor of what this company does so you can latch on in your mind and have some association with it. Um, here's the challenge they were facing. Here's how they came upon our solution. Here's how they used our solution. Um, and here's where they are at the end of the day on the other end of that journey. Um, and most of what I'm doing in a case study interview is just trying to add color and fill in all of those uh, details and make sure that I'm getting uh, information for all of those different story points. Um, and that's where the fun and that's where the art of it is, is because uh, because every story is different, every uh, every every. Uh, colorful detail can be different. And that's really where the fun comes in. So the way I, I come from an improv comedy background uh, that I just like to do in my spare time. Uh, and I, I think about it, I think about an interview as a combination of structured preparation where you, you know the basic top level questions you have to ask to elicit those story points that I just mentioned, uh, combined with improvisation, where if somebody says something off the cuff, uh, and it's a it's a little potential detail about their office, like they mentioned, for example, that hey, nobody wears shoes in our office, and they just happen to mention that. Maybe you want to do a follow up question on that and get a little bit more color about why. Maybe because they're a fitness company or everyone's doing yoga or something like that, and that'll just give you a little bit more color for the case study. So the the art of it, I think, and by art I mean something that you have to practice to get better at. It's not just something that I could just tell you exactly how to do it. The art of it is knowing when you are improvising and when to kind of follow up on things and, and go down tangential rabbit holes and see where they go and when to pull back and get back on course and get back on structure because you only have a limited time with the person that you're interviewing and you have to uh, get a certain number of questions in and wrap things up. And that's what's really exciting and fun for me about it. Whether I'm doing it over the phone for a text interview or whether I'm doing that on camera, that's the most exciting part of my job is 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 living with that kind of balancing act and uh, and trying to create something great from that process. I, I love that, and you know the the good news I can tell you is as you're saying all this, both Tyler and I are sitting here saying, "Nice, we're doing it right." Because yeah, to to kind of like lift the veil, if you will, on on how we do things here at Content Pros, because this is ultimately an interview style podcast. You know, is for our listeners, our guests get a questionnaire to give us some context before the show. It allows Tyler and I to kind of like hit points that we want to go on. But to be honest, for the most part, we're just kind of seeing how things go, seeing how things unfold. And I think that's where we get the real genuine stories, um, you know, versus, you know, I know for some people it works to have a very scripted set of questions. I hope this can be your most meta podcast ever because we're effectively talking about the process of doing this podcast. And, and this very process is the process that I use in my own uh, work. <laughs> so I was going to dig on, um, you know, the not wearing shoes in the office, um, not that specifically, but the idea and the art of exposing the, the individual and the humanity and, and the personality of those people on camera. And that's something that always, you know, we try to strive for. And I find, you know, the best stories on camera with customers are those that have that right balance of showing them and talking about their business context, but also kind of, you know, peeling back on who they are as an individual and, and establishing a more personal rapport, um, which kind of, I find, like, breaks down the guards and, you know, kind of opens up the conversation. And, and I think as a viewer also opens you up because you start to feel a bit more relaxed and, and feeling like, oh, yeah, this is a real person just like me. Um, is that part of what you do in, in, in your process? And you mentioned like asking some of those questions and going down those more personal rabbit holes if they, if they reveal something interesting. 
Oh, absolutely. And in fact, sometimes I'm a little bit worried if, if my client, I, I usually don't like my clients to be in the room or on the phone when I'm doing the interview, but sometimes they are and it's fine. And I'm sometimes, I, sometimes I worry that from my client's perspective, I'm not getting to the kind of nut of it fast enough for them. Like I, I might spend 10 minutes chatting somebody up about who they are, what they do, how they feel about the work that they're doing, and just get a lot of great sound bites and quotes based on that. Right. But I'm not talking to them about the core product that we're there to really talk about. I'm not talking about how they work with my client yet, because I want to spend a long time getting to know that person and giving my reader or my viewer as much context as I possibly can to draw them into that world. And once they're in that world, then we can hit them with you know the more salesy part of it. But I want to make sure that I'm getting a lot of that context, because I think that's what I think you're hitting on it exactly right I think that that's what makes the story and that's what makes the story engaging if you just start off with uh, you know company X is a company that uses company Y you know that's that's not interesting you really got to get into some details before I as the viewer or the reader care at all about that company enough to care that they use company Y I, I love it. And, and I want to dig a bit further into how to make these kinds of stories interesting because I've seen enough talking heads that, um, you know, I, I, again, I really think people need to be thinking about how to make these creative, how to make them interesting. Uh, before we do that, we're going to take a quick break here to hear from our sponsors. And uh, we'll be right back to talk to James a little bit more about creating great customer stories. Hey, Zoe. Hey, Kelly. Do you know what I love? Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, him, but also Netflix and how it always shows me what I'll love, aka all the murder mysteries. Ooh, or documentaries about puppies. I wish there was a way to do that with B2B content. Well, hold on to your pants. So you know Uberflip? It lets you create a better content journey for your readers. So I can let my readers binge my content while my sales team also sends it out to prospects? You sure can. Amazing. How do I get it? Just head over to uberflip.com and request a demo. So welcome back to Content Pros. We're talking all about case studies and interviews and how to get all the best information out of that person on the other side. And we're, we're sitting here with James Kotecki doing so. And James, I got a question for you. And, and you know, Tyler and I go to a lot of events, right? And, and I, I got to tell you the truth. Sometimes I get really nervous when I find out the next upcoming segment at an event is an interview because it's either going to be really, really insightful or the biggest waste of my time, right? It's either that that time where I really dial in or that I dial in to update on my emails and my you know, Slack messages and things like that. So maybe you can give us some some tips to like how to make things engaging. Like maybe if, if you could write a blog post right now, the top three tips, you know, to make a conversation engaging, how do you make that happen? And, and you know, how does it start? Because the, the start is where you hook someone, right? Yeah, so I like I said, I come from an improv background, so let me improvise this answer, and we'll see if we get three things out of it. I, I, I would start with this. I think what you're watching when you're watching an interview on stage is a effectively a verbal tennis match. And if you're watching a tennis match, it's really going to be interesting if both parties are good, right? So I would say the first step to making a compelling interview on stage is making sure that both of those people actually should be on stage. Now I understand like sometimes people put people up on stage to be interviewed because that person might not be comfortable in a keynote setting or they might not be uh, or they they might uh, not have prepared anything in a keynote setting and and they just want to make it more relaxed and easier for that person. And that's understandable, but you really have to make sure that the person at least the person who's doing the interviewing is energetic and interesting and it can actually keep things moving. I mean, this is one of the things that I do professionally and 
I can, I, I guess I'm completely biased in saying this, but um, not not everybody, it's, it's a skill, right? It's a skill that you can develop and that you can work at, but just tossing up your, you know, VP of product to interview somebody because that's the closest executive that you happen to glance over when you were planning this thing is not a good idea. So I think the, the number one thing is it starts in the planning stages to make sure that both of these people can actually uh, talk well to each other. Um, the second thing I think is to encourage uh, encourage back and forth answers, right? So I, I don't, hopefully I'm not being too long-winded right now, but what you really don't want is somebody who's gonna ask a question and then the person responds with a 10-minute monologue every single time, because that, that eats you're up- You're doing all. well, you're doing well. We're, we've had those 10-minute monologues on this podcast and Tyler and I are like, what do we do? This is good, keep going, yeah. keep going. So, so you want to at least maybe to the extent that the interviewee can be uh, encouraged to keep their answers shorter, uh, that's exactly what you should do. Um, and I think the other, the other thing I'll say is a practical uh, piece of advice, which is uh, change up the formats of the questions. Um, have a little bit of a back and forth that's maybe a casual, part, casual conversation, but then change it up. Do a lightning round. You know, Do, okay, you have to give me one word answers for this, this quick list of 10 questions. Um, things like that uh, can really keep it, can, can keep it moving as well. I love that. It's it's uh, it's funny you say that when we have a guest speaker here at our company and we have them sort of sit up at the front in, in, in a sort of panel style for the rest of the business, we always start with a lightning round to kind of get them in the mood and get them warmed up. And you see a total change in posture when you start off with something like, okay, yes or no answer or one word answer, right? Coke or Pepsi, right? And then they're always saying, what? Water, right? It's like every time, nope, water. And then they like, they loosen up and they get right into it. And then when you get into the meat of those questions, you're getting much more comfortable, honest answers on camera. Um, and it makes a world of difference. So I think that's a, that's, that's a great takeaway. And I, I, I actually, I just thought of a fourth thing. Um, which is probably the most foundational thing of all. You should know why you are doing it in an interview format and why those people are on stage. So this is kind of wrapping up some of the things, encompassing some of the things I said earlier. But um, if you are interviewing them for a certain reason, you should, like we just talked about with the case study story structure and how you kind of know that in advance and it's half improv but half prepared, you should know what you're trying to get out of that person. If you're trying to take them down a certain road and they're going in a completely different direction that's just completely off the rails, knowing why you're interviewing them will give you the ability to pull it back. If you're just throwing them up there because you couldn't think of anything else to program the segment with and you're just having a random conversation, then that's almost guaranteed to not be as interesting to the audience. So let me ask you um, one other thing on making the content, I think, interesting for audiences. So, you know, you got to make sure you're asking the right questions. You've got a great speaker on the other side who can tell the story. Um, you know, you want to get the casual, personal nature of it. Um, what else do you want to think about from a creative perspective to, again, make the, um, at least from a video, when you're doing it in a video style, um, to, to make it interesting, to make it stand out or to make it resonate? You know, do you look for the setting to do it in, in their office or somewhere else? Do you think about kind of post-production, uh, you know, B-roll footage? Do you think about adding graphics or, you know, are there any tricks of the trade people should be thinking about when trying to turn that talking head into, you know, something a little bit more engaging? Yeah, certainly we think about all that in terms of video. Um, and I'll even add just a couple more things that came up. Uh, we did a series of uh, talk show style interviews at CES this year. And a couple things that came up beyond the things that you mentioned, all of which were really relevant. Um, one was furniture. 
Um, you, this is one of those things you might not think about when you're planning the video and it might just be an afterthought. Oh, we'll just grab a couple chairs and put them on there. If the chairs are can rock, if they can move, if they can make noise, if they're too big, if they're too small, if they're too high, if they're too low, all those things can really change the nature of how the audience is gonna perceive that content and how it's gonna be uh, captured on video. So a very minor, uh, seemingly minor detail that can make a huge difference. The other thing, especially at a conference or a trade show, is audio. Um, oh my gosh, we had some challenges with audio where we were interviewing people in the back of a big convention hall, but at the front of the convention hall was a stage that intermittently had really loud presentations. And other times it was silent. So we had to work around and, and, and plan for that. You can. If you were sitting next to the person and doing the interview, you can hear them just fine. But you know, those in your audience who've worked with video know that what your experience is in the actual interview is different than what's actually being captured by the audio equipment. So you need to make sure that you are. Uh, uh, you need to make sure that if you have audio, competing audio, that you're working uh, effectively around it or with it. This is great advice. You know, James, I'm, I'm trying to learn from you as we go here. I got to be completely honest. So with that, I feel like I have to ingest a lightning round here. So I, I just prepared like five questions on the fly. All right. So we're going to go right at this really fast. We're going to fly through them. All right. Here we go. Handheld mic or lapel mic? Handheld mic. Green screen or real life background? Real life background. Sitting on a couch or a chair? Couch. Ouch, nice. Okay, one guest or two guests being interviewed? One guest, please. All right, and last one. Do you like to hold a bottle of water or a mug of coffee? How about a glass of Chardonnay? Ah, nice. Well, well done. Well done. That was, that, was, that was the one where you can improvise. You always have to finish where someone can improvise, right? Yeah, exactly. And actually, <laughs> I'm not even sure that that's true, but it just seemed like the funniest answer to give you in the moment. So I thought I'd <laughs> Now, well I've, I've, got, I've got one for you. I've got one for you here. Would you rather freestyle rap with a client or with the client's mascot? Oh, well, you know, I have done the latter. Um, so I guess I'll have to say the latter. Client's mascot. <laughs> uh, we need context. I feel like you guys have some sort of inside joke here that I'm, I'm not I'm surprised in. you found this one, actually. I'm sur this, is, this is a piece of internet trivia that I thought was buried. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, when I worked at a digital marketing agency, we were making some kooky videos, and they it was a uh, it was a series of urgent care clinics, and they had this goofy mascot doctor who just looked like a regular doctor, but essentially a, in, in a mascot costume. So think about a theme park or an athletic mascot walking around uh, downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, and. Uh, for some reason, we thought it would be funny is, is if we had the mascot walk up to people and I was standing next to the mascot in a suit and I would just rap and the, the mascot would dance. Um, I, 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 to this day, I don't actually know how well it performed for the client, um, but it was certainly a lot of fun to make. Awesome. So, James, we've got a couple more minutes. And, you know, aside from the, the you know, lightning round we just did, we often finish one where we just get to know our guests a little bit better outside of work. So I got a couple of things I'm just curious on. You know, so one of them, you know, let's talk late night TV, right? So mm. who is your favorite interviewer, you know, between like, you know, whether it's James Corden, Kimmel, Fallon, someone else, who, who's your go-to for inspiration? Oh man, I uh, I've been a Colbert fan for a long time. I, I even when he was up against the Daily Show, I thought he was just the, the, the of the two. Even though I grew up on John Stewart, uh, he was the he was the one I preferred. So I got to go Stephen Colbert on that one. Okay, nice, nice. Now, if if you were to be on Fallon though, and and he does the lip sync battle, right? So mm. what would be your lip sync song? Uh, Fiona Apple's Criminal. 
Okay. All right. There you go. People so, are going to be looking that one up. Uh, it's a classic gem from the 90s. I've actually done that song karaoke, and it's a, it's a good kind of like – uh, you know, uh, it, it's a there's a there's a little bit of an audience surprise value if like I come up there and start by saying I've been a bad bad girl, I've been careless with a delicate man. It's just like a it's one of those fun songs to sing uh, karaoke because it's uh, you can play against type with it. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, people are gonna definitely put you on the spot in some sort of speaking engagement in the future when they get their hands on this uh, piece of content, right? Uh, Fantastic. And and maybe just leave us, where can people find you in terms of learning more about you? Like, are you on Instagram? Are you on uh, LinkedIn? You know, where's the best place for people to track down just to follow more about what you're doing? (laughs) So many ways, and I'll probably respond to all of them. Um, uh, Koteki Group, K-O-T-E-C-K-I-G-R-O-U-P.com is my business website. Uh, and that's probably the, the best place to direct people to. But yeah, sure. James Koteki on LinkedIn. James At James Koteki on Twitter. I think my Facebook page is public. Uh, I am on Instagram. I believe also James Koteki is my username there. Um, if, you, if, you, if somebody came up to me in a coffee shop the other day and said they remembered what I did at Politico 10 years ago. Honestly, that never happens. But since it happened yesterday, I thought I'd mention it to say if anybody wants to come up to me in a coffee shop, I'm happy to chat. Amazing. That's awesome. James, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to share. I think we learned a lot about you know how to think about case studies, how to get to them, right? I mean, sometimes they're, they're there. We just have to engage someone and get that information out or just get ideas from people in more of an interview style. So we really appreciate you taking the time to, to share that with us on the Content Pros Podcast. Uh, I encourage people, if they've enjoyed this, to check out all the other great content we have at contentprospodcast.com. Com. A lot of episodes over the years that we've been able to pull great guests like James. And please leave us a review when you find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever that is, and, and let us know what we can do to make this more engaging. Uh, in the meantime, on behalf of Tyler Lassard at Vidyard, I'm Randy Frisch at Uberflip, and this has been the Content Pros Podcast. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com. 